Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now, sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey guys, it's Josh. Welcome back to Accelerated Investor. Happy to have you back. And uh, in this episode, I wanted to kind of set the table. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was able to sit down with a couple of our highest end, high level coaches, Kyle Garifo from Chicago, DK Kim from Orlando, and Chris Cedar from Billings, Montana. Uh, and these guys combined have closed uh, over 500 real estate transactions and own um, several hundred units of rentals between the three of them. And they're all guys that I've personally mentored and coached. And we sat down a few weeks ago and had just a great fun conversation uh, about the traits of elite entrepreneurs, the traits of elite real estate investors, and what are some of the, the successful traits that we see in our best, highest performing coaching students and members. And then also what are some of the characteristics of people that don't succeed, people that fail? What are some things that they do wrong that we want to avoid? Uh, and then also I talked to the guys a little bit about their entrepreneurial journey from starting from their previous jobs. Uh, Kyle was a therapist, you know, had clients sitting on the couch and we're talking to them about their personal issues um, to quitting his job and jumping into real estate full time. Uh, DK is a, a former immigration and title attorney uh, and Chris Cedar uh, was not really sure what the heck he was going to do when he graduated from college and then jumped into real estate full time. And I thought it was really fun interviewing them, talking with them about their real estate success journey and some of the successful traits that it takes uh, to make it and really succeed and some of the traits of those people that kind of fail and, and, and don't make it, what are the things that they do wrong? So I really hope you enjoy this interview. Um, I had a blast putting it on. And uh, if you like it and uh, you feel like you've gotten something out of it, definitely let us know. Give us some feedback. Uh, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. So here we go. So hey guys, Josh Cantwell here. Welcome back. Uh, I'm excited to be with all of you today and, uh, and do a uh, a call with our coaches, with uh, a bunch of successful investors who are coaches with us, kind of our leadership team at Strategic Real Estate Coach, which includes Chris Cedar from Billings, Montana. What's up, Chris? How are you? Good. Doing great. Awesome. Kyle Gariffo from the Northwest Chicago suburbs. What's up, Kyle? What's going on? And DK Kim, uh, our coach and real estate attorney from Orlando, Florida. What's up, DK? How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, Josh. Awesome. So what we're doing here today is uh, we, we've invited some of our uh, our highest end coaching students that we call a Masters Elite and Maverick Mastermind members to join us. And what I wanted to do was kind of interview Chris and Kyle and DK, uh, who all now have 
at least about 10 years of real estate investing experience. Uh, DK, when did you officially kind of jump into real estate investing, DK? Was it about six years ago? Yeah. Yeah, full time. I think it was like 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Chris, when did you start investing? 2009. 2009. So going on 10 years. And Kyle, how about you? 07. 07. Yeah. So you've got 10 years, 12 years, and about six years of experience. Plus me, you add it up. It's, it's over 30, 35 years of experience. Uh, Chris, give or take, about how many deals have you been involved in in your career? Oh. I mean, hundreds. It's, I, I lost track a while ago, but yeah. I mean, so probably. Plus, 400 plus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, probably 120 plus rehabs. Who knows how many wholesale deals? Probably 80 or 90. And then a bunch of rental property. And yeah. So it's yeah. probably 200 plus. Yeah. Awesome. Kyle, how about you? Yeah, I think I'm probably about 275, 280, somewhere around there. And every day it's going up. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. And DK, how about yourself? I think uh, somewhere like 150 plus. Yeah. And all the guys that, you know, I, and I've done nearly 1,000, um, about 400, 400 something wholesale and short sale uh, deals that we wholesaled out. And then, uh, you know, several hundred rentals and rehabs, um, over 350 plus private lender loans. And um, we also, all of us own cash flowing rentals, uh, commercial buildings, uh, Kyle's in the assisted living and independent living market. Chris owns a bunch of multifamily properties. Uh, DK owns a bunch of rentals. DK was the founding member of uh, Gulf Shore Bank. Um, and, uh, we also just raised about $4 million that we put into a bunch of apartment deals. So I'm an equity owner now in about 1150 units of apartments, uh, outside of Atlanta. We own about a 15% share of those. Uh, it's a $70 million portfolio, uh, down in Atlanta, which is pretty cool. So just a ton of experience. And what we thought we'd do today is not only for our listeners, want to welcome all of you guys onto the call. Uh, but for everybody who, you know, will join our coaching program in the future or maybe catch us in a podcast is really just talk about two things. One is have each of these guys just kind of comment on their life cycle as an investor, whether it was starting out as, a, you know, as an attorney getting into real estate or turning out, starting out as a wholesaler then getting into bigger deals or in Kyle's case, doing a lot of short sale flips and getting into commercial now. All the guys have raised a lot of private money. So that's the first conversation is just to hear from them. What was that like? What challenges did they face? What would they do differently in their life cycle as an investor? And then the second conversation just around, what are some traits? What are some specific things that they thought that they did well? And what are some specific things that they see in their coaching students that their most successful coaching students are doing? And what those traits of their coaching students that make those coaching students successful? And what are some things that, some of their coaching students that are not succeeding, what are some of their characteristics that they're just not doing well? Whether it's just not taking action, being lazy, not raising enough money, um, those kind of things. So I'm going to start with Kyle because I've known Kyle the longest. Uh, Kyle and I go back at least 10 years uh, in our relationship as sort of mentor-student. 
And also Kyle's our head coach in our coaching program. So he helps us put together the curriculum as well as Chris and DK. Uh, but known Kyle the longest and, uh, and know Kyle on a pretty personal basis, his wife and kids. And so Kyle, just, just tell us for a couple minutes here, you know, what was your start like in real estate? And you went from new to intermediate to a, a, a really advanced investor now. What was that life cycle for you? And what did you think that you did well along that journey? And what are some things that you would have done differently? Yeah. And it's still uh, ever-changing and growing, obviously, even even today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started in 07. For, the, for those that don't know, I was a therapist, a clinical therapist on the couch, have conversations. That's what I did. And uh, when most people need therapies, usually evenings, uh, afternoon hours. So I was working crappy hours. I was working like noon to nine, noon to 10 sometimes. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I just had a couple kids right around there. And I just wasn't spending the time that I that I wanted to with them. And I just needed a change for me. And uh, I am a product of watching too many shows on HGTV, or I certainly was back then. And uh, yes, there was shows back then, even even in 07. I just said, how hard could this be? I mean, that's literally what it was. Um, and and I just got more into it. Um, I started following Josh and, and, and Shrek even back then in, in 07. Uh, probably one of the the, the first uh, guru, and there was a lot of them out there back then as well too in 07. You know, like Josh said, there was a lot of short sales. People were doing a lot of short sales back then, um, where we were just buying, uh, not even touching the properties, not even really. You know, I I sometimes would spend under 100 bucks putting on a new lock, and I'd, I'd have that property sold. Um, so I did. I, I quit in 07. I literally quit Thursday. Bought a house on that Monday. Bought an REO property. Um, that was my first flip that I did. It took me about. Uh, God, nine months to do. I did all the work myself, all the, you know, cabinetry, flooring. I didn't do the electrical, but I, I certainly did everything that I could possibly do. I learned a lot as well too, but made a lot of mistakes. Um, and the first mistake doing the work myself was obviously the biggest mistake that I made. And, but I, what I did realize, cause I sold right before the bust in 2008 I, and I made, I think, 1200 bucks. Honestly, I did nine months of work, made about 1200 bucks, brought it home to my wife. And I'm like, Hey, look, I made 1200 bucks. And she's like that. You need a job, you know, go, go get a job. Yeah. So, but what I did learn is that I loved the business. I loved everything about it. I loved the, the work. I loved the, the hunt of the deal. Um, I loved the dealing with real estate agents. I loved dealing with buyers. I loved you know, I just loved everything about it. Um, but rehabbing with, for me was, was, was just more of, um, kind of an intro point at that point in time. That's when I really started getting into more of the short sales and then beginning with Shrek and Josh, you, you and I were working on that for a while, um, until I became, uh, a student with you in 2011 full time when I remember you, you know, saying this to me that, that I needed an evergreen business, right? I needed a business that could always change, that could always be there for me whenever the market changed because short sales although I still do some, I've got like four or five uh, going right now that are in the process of wherever, whatever stage they're in, is not really my main business at all. When I was doing 25, 30 deals at a time, now I'm doing four of those, you know, just straight negotiating with banks. I don't do any of the negotiating, I don't do any of that anymore. Um, but I need an evergreen business. I need a business that was gonna change along with the, with the, you know, the times on the market, which it has. Rehabbing will always be around now. People will always have crappy houses that we can buy at a reduced price and fix up and sell to somebody else. Um, so that was kind of the, the beginning start for me. And I, I advanced from there with education, coaching. You know, I don't know how much money I've spent 
Um, investing in, in my education, my training, to me, I look at it as like having a doctorate degree. You know, you don't want somebody operating on you that, that took, you know, maybe a, a few months online course, you know, and doing open heart surgery with you. For us, it's a lot of education. You look at, you know, anybody on the screen right here, we, we've all spent a ton of money on our education to get where we're at right now. Um, and I've got formal education. You know, I've got a master's degree. I got certifications. I'm, you know, as a therapist, you, you need all that as well, too, which did help me do this business, ironically, as well, too, because this is a people business. Um, and it just allowed me to go from one person to person business to another, dealing with homeowners and sellers and, and, and lawyers and REO agents and all that stuff. I was able to transition. That's been one of the strengths for me is that I think sometimes, and even my own students, they, they forget that this is a person-to-person business and it's all about the numbers and the deal and how much money I can make. And you have to be willing to help people in this business and not make any money because you'll make more money with that philosophy and that attitude than you will constantly about the money and the hunt. Um, I, get, I get asked weekly from people, um, you know, how do I do this? How can I do this? I, I just inherited a property. How do I, do you know any good agents? Do you know this? Do you know a good plumber? You know, all those things that you have to be willing to help people out in this business to do, because that'll come back to me certainly in, in, in the future as well. So um, I don't remember what, what, what you even asked me as a question, Josh, but that's kind of my intro. You know, that's kind of how I got started into so tell us about where you're at today. So you start and like there's the, 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 yeah. the evergreen business and really, I think, you know, the fabric of our company and, and what we train and coach our students on is that funding equals freedom. Yeah, and have an evergreen business, and your business model is to buy, fix, and sell. But you got to have the underlying evergreen part of that business is funding. Right. You could have the buy, fix, and keep model, and lots of rentals, single-family rentals, or multifamily, or even apartments. But the underlying fabric of that is funding. You could do assisted living, or 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 uh, independent living, senior care facilities. Again, the if that's your business, the underlying evergreen part of that is you do the same thing over and over and over and you have funding funding to do it. So right. tell us a bit more about where you're at today. What are you focused on? You know, obviously still doing some single family flips some single family rehabs and a lot of big properties. I've seen you do multi-million dollar properties. Yeah. Tell us about what you're working on right now. What is the evergreen model for you? Yeah. And, you know, the funding that supports what you're up to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, the funding and and the and the private capital and even traditional bank financing, I, I have to get more into that now as well too because of the projects that I'm doing. It just makes more sense for me to now to do traditional bank financing on a lot of these projects. But my 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 single family residential flips have have sort of taken a third backseat now to everything. That's sort of my third. Uh, project of what I'm doing. My condo development in the city, I've got uh, three condos in the city that I, I built from ground up. Those are on the market right now. I've got a single family conversion that I converted from a duplex that will sell for probably 2.1 million when it's all said and done. And then I've got a piece of land that I just got, we just passed our zoning for to build another three units there. So we'll break ground on that in probably about a month or so. So Traditional financing, I'm getting bank loans for for definitely those projects um, as well too, because private money for you know a project that's going to take a year would be awfully expensive at 12%. If I get bank financing and pay 6%, that's far better. But I still need you know 200 grand down, 300 grand down, and that's where private money comes into play, and that's when I'm utilizing utilizing private money. I couldn't I couldn't do these deals and these condo development. What's up there, Nucci? <laughs> yeah, it's DK, Chris, and Kyle. 
Dominic's home from school, sick. Oh boy, for three days, and he's feeling better. How's your? You get, yeah, it's fine. He's had like a hundred drinks here the last three days, so he's hanging out, right? What are you up to, man? Nothing. All right, go back upstairs. All right, I'll see you upstairs in a little bit. All right. Uh, so yeah, so so doing my 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 flips right now as a single family. We've got three of those going right now. My condo developments. Um, we've got another four of those going and then my assisted living as you talked about my residential boutique assisted living um, we just passed uh, all of our village zoning for that um, which was quite the process and then we're in the process of getting a loan right now for 4.2 million bucks right now getting a loan for that and start breaking ground um, probably end of April with that maybe beginning of May so um, kind of project is that like residential assisted living how big how many units how many beds what's yeah so we're building uh we'll be building two 9,800 square foot houses uh each of those holds 16 residents per and then once those are done we're going to build a 7,500 square foot and that'll hold 12. um so same area same cul-de-sac same piece of land same piece of land. I, yeah, we bought a 2.8 acre piece of land last July for this exact purpose. Uh, zoning took us about six months to do. Um, and that's that's the village even opening up or wanting us with open arms. It still took about a half a year to get zoning through to convince people that this is something that the neighborhood wants and, and um, that that's going to be good, you know, for the neighborhood, certainly. But uh, yeah, when, when we're all said and done, um, once we you know, that's going to cash flow for us about $1.8 million net um, a year, which won't suck, certainly. Um, so, you know, ask me in a couple of years and, and, and when we're up and running. And But that's, you know, passive income, that's that's really our strategy that, that we have there. This is It's located about two miles from where I live. Nice. So checking up on things is going to be a piece of cake. But in terms of my number one strategy, you know, that's it. Yeah, and what I'm kind of hearing at the end of that conversation is just that, you know, got into the business because you didn't like what you were doing before, just wanted more of the freedom. Yeah. To me, it's all about personal freedom to, to do what I want, like hang out at home. I went to the office this morning, but to be home because my daughter's got a doctor's appointment. I know my son is sick. My wife is not feeling that great. And it's the personal freedom, right, to leave the office, to come home, support the family, be there, do this with you guys. Uh, that's a big part of why we do what we do. And the other piece is the passive income, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, like you're talking about your, your play for long-term wealth, long-term equity appreciation for your balance sheet, take care of your family, is this independent residential assisted living um, and that, that $1.8 So that's fantastic. So you go from, you know, your first deal, you mm -hmm. quit on a Thursday, buy a house on a Monday, now to you know uh, about 30 units or so of of residential assisted living, almost 45 units actually of residential assisted living, and that's that's part of that evolution. We'll talk a little bit more, Kyle, in a second about the, the some of the traits of success that you feel you had, as well as some of the things you see in your students, right? Allow you to make that transition over time. Yep. Uh, so Chris, how about you, man? So uh, you know, Chris and I met years ago uh, as affiliates, actually, Chris. Uh, was doing some coaching and some training and, and kind of promoting some of our products or promoting some of his stuff. And uh, and Chris has been one of our coaches now for many years, um, has sort of a family business with his dad, uh, owning a bunch of rental properties. Um, and so, Chris, 
talk for a little bit more about your, your start, the evolution, kind of where you're at today, and uh, what your focus is today uh, in your business to, to build your portfolio, build your balance sheet. Yeah, absolutely. So I got, and sorry, my dog. <laughs> sorry. Hearing, hearing other dogs across the street barking while I'm doing this. Like a dog. Uh, but yeah, I got started. So 2009, after I had uh, graduated college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, from there, I talked to my father, and he had been a real estate broker, real estate investor for since the 1980s. So I decided, okay, maybe I'll I'll try out real estate investing. So I went to work for a couple months for pretty much directly for him in his business. You know, he showed me the ropes, managing rentals how he went about finding houses, how he found deals, how to work with contractors and all that stuff. And then from there, I started my own business. And and the first full year, um, I ended up doing three real estate deals. I bought a rental property. I did a wholesale deal and did a rehab. And the biggest thing from that first year that I, I think I would have went back and changed is I would have studied more or or learned more about how to find deals Um, because I felt like my only real source for finding deals then was the MLS and then pretty much referrals going, being funneled to my father since he'd been in it for so long. He gets a lot of referrals. If somebody wants to sell a fixer upper, a lot of times they just talk to him. So I think that would would have been one of my biggest things because once the next year, once I really did learn about marketing, about direct mail, about how to find deals, the floodgates kind of opened up on my, on my business. Um, once I started sending out consistent direct mail that next year, I think I did 10 or 12 deals, like eight rehabs and four wholesale deals. And then each year, the more I ramped up the marketing, more deals I was able to do. Um, so that, that I would definitely say is one of the, the bigger things. And then of course, for me to be able to do those deals, I had to have access to, to money. Luckily, you know, for me, I had a father that had connections with private lenders, with bank financing, where I could have access to that funding. So I didn't have to focus on it as much. But yeah, that's really where where I went. And how about today, Chris? What's your focus? You guys have a bunch of rental properties. Um, still a lot of single family stuff, right? Are you guys working more on more commercial stuff? Or I know I know you work on your golf game a lot. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So our focus, my focus right now, is pretty much the the rehabbing business itself. It runs pretty smoothly, pretty on on autopilot. Um, my focus with that is about 10 to 12 deals a year just with the rehabbing. Um, and that, yeah, I really, all I have to do is I check on my contractor a couple times a week, either over the phone or, or usually go and check on the, the properties once a week. Currently we have two rehabs in the works. Um, and then we have two more that we just bought a week ago. 
So those are in different stages. Once our guys get done on those, they'll move to these other ones. Got it. Tell the tell our audience just a little bit more about your your long term passive income play and your your passion for rental properties, owning rentals, cash flow. I mean, Kyle talked a little bit more about his big assisted living facility. As long as I've known you, Chris, it always seemed like you were mostly focused on single family rentals, owning rentals. Your dad owns a bunch of rentals. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, as far as because that's why we're all in this, right? Is is passive income, financial independence. Um, so for our audience that's trying to get to that point of like, Hey, I don't really like my job or I just really want to do real estate. It sounds really sexy and fun, but I want to get to the point where I can play more golf and I want to have this personal freedom to do what I want. Uh, what is that like for you? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> my, my goal with rentals is every year I usually set a goal to buy a certain amount, you know, a certain number more doors. Um, this year, what do I have? Looks like I'm buying, want to buy five more rental units. Currently, between me and my father, we have somewhere around 130 rental units that, you know, some of them are his, some of them are mine, some of them we own together. Um, eventually, you know, it's it's all all going to come to come to me. But uh, my goal has always been with the rentals is to and I, I've gotten there with it, build up enough of my own where the passive income from those rentals covers all of my living expenses and then some. Mm -hmm. So that way, you know, if I do want to, and what I do a lot in the summer is, is play golf. That way, if I want to, you know, I'm going to take July off. I'm not going to, not going to really do much in July. I'm just going to golf. you know, all my expenses, anything that, that comes up is going to be covered from my, my passive income with the, the rental properties and with the, the rehabbing business, you know, pretty much just runs itself right now. Um, you know, that, that takes me a couple hours a, a week to, to check on those. So yeah, pretty much it. The rentals, big checks from your rehabs, a couple wholesale deals in between. Allows you a lot of free time to play some golf, man. Chris is pretty much a scratch golfer, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so DK, how about you? You know, um, DK and I originally met a friend of mine, John Cochran, was was kind of putting out an offer to do a one-on-one -on -one strategy session, and uh, DK kind of signed up for that. I met DK through John, came up to my Cleveland, and we met in uh, in my I had a virtual office at that time, and uh, we met there in the conference room and. Uh, DK was just about you know, really passionate for quitting his job. So this is a more recent, um, you know, case study about five, six years ago. Uh, you know, DK was a real estate attorney and an immigration attorney and, you know, was kind of sick of the grind of that, you know, had a young new family, uh, his kids, Amanda and Emma were little and was really thinking like, I'm building a family. I want to be home. So, um, DK talk for a second, just about that, that pivot, because, We've got guys that are, you know, in the corporate world or they're therapists or they're attorneys like you were or doctors or whatever and want to do this business. So what was your fear when you were making that pivot and how did you successfully make the transition? Yeah, the number one fear was like, am I really going to do this? Am, am, am I going to pull the trigger? Because at that time, I think I signed up like September 2012 for 40K Flips. 
went through all the modules. And I'm like, okay, this is the guy. I, like, I want, I really want to do this. But uh, like with anything, it's it was just all okay. This is all theory. This is you know, I don't know. And then uh, how am I going to pay the bills? You know, eight, you know, sixty, seventy hour weeks. It was terrible. My second daughter was born in November. And so I had all these thoughts floating in my head. And then finally, at the end of the day, just like I tell my clients at the time, like, stop coming to me for advice. I already gave you the advice. You just need to go out and execute. And I said, you know what? And when I saw that, the, the two-on-ones, I said, you know what? I got to take my own advice. Just go out and do it. And, uh, and I was like, yes. I, plus, I had a history, no matter what I've done, like once I put my mind to it and I knew what my goals and my visions were, which was to be financially free eventually, of course, but also I, I just, I, I would rather talk to paint. I'd rather talk to contractors than, than dealing with clients. Who just <laughs> You know, like, you would rather talk to paint. Than yeah, a client. Right. And, and that was in the same way. Like I would talk to paint. Then have another client sitting on the couch as a therapist, right? A lot of times that was true. You gotta use that in our events or something. Like I'd rather talk to paint. <laughs> it actually smelled better than some of the clients that came in. <laughs> but but for me, the tipping point professionally as an attorney was why am I having more passion about their case? where had they hired an attorney in advance, it could have prevented the whole situation. And I had client appointments where they just didn't show up. To, to, to yeah. point. And, and the next day there was like a green card hearing. It's like, okay, like if you don't show up, you really don't care. And so, so that's kind of what sparked it. But, but the, biggest, the biggest thing for me was I knew where I wanted to go. And a lot of people were just like, you're crazy. You're gonna, you're gonna throw away your legal degree you know, like, like, why are you doing this? Are you having a midlife crisis? I'm like, no, it's because like, I want to be over here. I, I don't want the hours. And so for me was, I knew where I wanted to go and where I am today is where I want to be. But you know, you have your five year goals, your 10 year goals, 20 year goals, 30 year goals. And, but that was the best decision I ever made. But for me, it was, I had to execute, take my own advice, just being as an attorney uh, but also seeing your modules, you know, just go do it, you know, be like Nike, go do it, you know. TK, tell us about what you're up to now. You're you're looking at apartment developments, new construction, you're in a competitive market like most of us are in Orlando. So tell us what, what are you doing now? What's your what's your business model? What are you focused on? Yes, yeah, so currently right now I have two uh, two rehabs going on. Uh, concurrently, I have one closing scheduled for next third uh, liquidation closing next Friday, uh, acquiring another property next week. Uh, so that's the residential single family home uh, business business model. In regards to apartments, uh, I'm still I'm still working on that. I've, I've I've met so many people. I've met I've met my first billionaire. Crazy. Uh, met a lot of different people, met some fund managers out in Japan uh, via the telephone. I'm still trying to crack this uh, $45 million capital raise or uh, $12 to $15 million initial initial startup fund and then get um, funding from either Wells Fargo or Bank of America for construction loan. 
so it's been, I've been meeting a lot of really big people. Um, so it's like, it's like right there. Um, and then also have new construction, single family houses for new construction. Uh, that's happening up in uh, Ocala, Gainesville area, which is about an hour and a half away. Uh, the numbers are great there. Uh, we're finally getting our first permit in the next uh, week and a half or two. Uh, there were some roadblocks over there, but finally uh, all, all that's been weaseled out. And then something else I kind of added on, I kind of didn't really want to, but I just knew a lot of people. Um, I'm playing more in the commercial realtor world. Um, and so uh, I brokered a deal with Holiday Inn Express. Um, and uh, so, so that was fun, but then also part of that, it kind of trickled down. So I'm kind of adding adding on a little more commercial real estate. I mean, I have the knowledge, so I just figured, hey, you know, why not, you know, yeah. use that well. Um, but uh, in regards to rentals, yeah, uh, I have rentals going on, but I, I, I'm spending a lot of my time for the future rentals um, where it would be like three and a half million dollar um Net operating income for these apartments, so that's where I'm spending probably yeah. seventy my seventy percent of my time talking to the real big fish for um, you know to take down this uh, apartment situation. So. Yeah, I think that's part of the evolution, right? It's like <clears throat> as you do a lot of deals and and hustle and make lots of transactions, whether it's wholesale, rehab, rental, all single family, it gets to the point where it's just like okay. I, could, I, I don't know that I have much more capacity or much more time to just keep doing this. I see what kind of potential it has. I could build my team around this, or I could just do bigger deals. And bigger deals, I don't have to do the number, the same number of deals to equal significantly you know, more, more money, more capital, more opportunity. That's why we built our fund, because I knew I could raise money and put it in a pool and fund and my team could do most of the day-to-day -day heavy lifting of underwriting and originating loans and servicing those loans and those kind of things. That was my my big jump into commercial was actually just running a commercial private equity fund that made private lender loans. Uh, you know, other, other of you guys are focused on different things. So help me understand now, guys, second question. What were some of the things that you guys did well to make this transition happen successfully? So Kyle, back to you. If you're thinking about what are some of the things that you're that allowed you to go from short sales and wholesaling to big rehab flips now to developing properties ground up in the city of Chicago and, and these big independent living facilities, you own some other commercial buildings and rental properties and apartments. What are maybe one or two of the characteristics that you think that, that this is this is definitely something I did right to help me move up to this level of investing? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to be willing to take risks. I mean, if you're not willing to take a risk at all, you're going to be stagnant. You're going to be complacent. You're going to, you're going to do what you do every single day. And if that's working nine to five, and I have, you know, so many people, as I'm sure you guys do as well too, say, I wish I could do what you do. Right. And there's no reason why people can't do what we do. We're, we're not any more special than anybody else. I don't think in terms of, you know, our skill set. Now we may have more knowledge than them, but that's just through growth and learning and education. But you know, it doesn't take, you know, a genius to do what we do. It just doesn't. But it does take somebody who's willing to to risk. And with risk comes failure. And you have to be willing to fail as well, too. Um, 
you know, going from, like you said, single families to, or going from short sales to single families to commercial developments, condos, to now my biggest risk of uh, assisted living, you know, taking out a large loan of $4 million on a piece of dirt to say, I think this is going to be successful is a gigantic risk, you know, and it just is, but backed by numbers and our education and our knowledge and, 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 and what we're doing, we're, we're willing to take that risk because we know that that reward is going to be great. But um, I think that's the thing that, that I have done right is, is I've been willing to uh, not only put my toes in the water, but be able to jump in and then figure out how to swim. You know, we were operating our assisted living um, with really no idea what we were doing, but we figured out our first one that we have operational now that, that that's going to be sold. And that's propelled us to do then these other buildings as well, too. And then we're going to do more and more and more. So um, to answer your question for me, it's just been been willing to uh, take on that risk, but then also be willing to fail as well, too, and then figure out what it is that we were doing wrong to go and correct that and do it right. So, yeah, fantastic. Chris, how about you? Is there any characteristics or things you think you did well uh, along your journey in the last uh, five or ten years or so? Yeah, I definitely say in the beginning it was putting in more work than a normal person probably would do. It, I remember the, the beginning few years, you know, I, I lived and breathed real estate investing. I was either, you know, listening to a podcast, reading a book, educating myself, learning something new, or I was out there working in the business, putting what I learned into action. And it seemed like having my, I pretty much had my day scheduled out where, okay, I'm going to do this part of the real estate investing business for two hours, this part of the real estate investing business, cold calling for two hours, sending mail and having my day scheduled out where it was like 10 hours a day, every day, just hustling in the business is, is what helped me. And then of course, adding in, time for education where I was learning something new and then adding that to my business, trying it out, testing it, figuring out if it worked, if it didn't, you know, trying something new. Um, but you got to put in the work. You got to get out there and, and do this, this business. The first couple of years are going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of work. And the people that I see that succeed are the ones that put in the most effort. Um, you know, then once, I'd say once you're through those first couple of years, then it gets easier because you know how to do all that stuff. You've started to systemize your business. You've figured out all of the crap that, that doesn't work. So you can just not do that and just focus on the, the few things that, that do work for you. Um, every, every area, everyone, Every business is going to be a little different because what works for me is not always going to work for you or DK or Kyle. Um, but yeah, for everyone, I encourage, you know, try a bunch of different things to figure out what's going to work for you. What system is going to be best for you? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, Chris, like just the workload. I remember, you know, getting started in 2004 and my, me and my old business partner were on the phone. This is back when like Nextel had the phones that had the little beeper thing on the side and you could almost like, like, like it was almost like a, like a, like a CB radio. So we had a little thing on the side and it would like click, click. And he would be like, Hey Josh, you there? And it would like, it would just sound off in my kitchen. And I, 
we would be on the phone like every night, man, just talking about everything we were trying to do and things that were working and things that weren't. Staying late at night, get to the office at like 8 in the morning, work until like 12.30, go to the gym, go back to work at 2 in the afternoon, stay till 10 o'clock at night. And I remember how exhilarating it was the next day to be like over, like just destroyed, tired, but know that I just put in like an amazing amount of effort, an amazing amount of work and push the business forward and how much I enjoyed that. And even nights now where my kids go to bed, my wife is tired, she's doing something upstairs at the house and I'm down here in my office till like one, two in the morning, just getting things done. The next day I'm tired as shit, but it's just the sense of accomplishment because I just put in more time. Sometimes that's, that's all it takes. It's just the effort, the extra time. I mean, there's a lot of things you can get done in a year and some people get a year's worth of work done in three months. Some people get a year's worth of work done in a year. Some people get a year's worth of work done in five years. It's just a matter of how much effort, just pure time and hustle you, you want to put into it, right? And uh, a lot of our students that have real success, that are getting off the ground quickly and having success fast, some of them are just the guys that are just willing to work longer and harder, period, the end, right? It's just part of, part of, part of, part of the deal. Nobody's going to say I was really, really successful and I was lazy as shit. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. Right. Uh, DK, how about for you, man? What are, what are some of the things you think you did right along your journey? Definitely. I agree with everything in regards to, you have to have a work ethic, but for me that first year after I met you and, and, and John in uh, February of 2013, what I got away with it and I still preach to the co or to the students and to the, also the students who fail miserably is they don't make any efforts in private lending at all. They're so scared of getting that no or that rejection or, or, or I don't know enough people who have money. And, and I tell them, like, I did the same thing. You said it's, it's not about whether these people in your list of 100 have money or not. Just communicate what it is that you're doing. And I literally took that to heart. I had like, I don't know, a list of 230 or something. And I just set the appointments, set the appointments because – if I didn't make that phone call or send that email, I wasn't going to go to where I needed to go. And, uh, and it took me about I don't know, somewhere between 15 to 18 rejections until finally I had my first private lender. And, 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 and that was like the best thing in the world. And I, probably around like rejection number five, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I mean, it's there, it's always there, you know, but uh, to overcome that, um, that, that was very key, but my work ethic was raise that private capital. And that's what I think saved me starting in year one. And it's, it's gotten easier over the years. Now I just text message or make a quick phone call. Hey, you got 500 grand. Okay. Yeah. Great. Give me the wire instructions, you know, but yeah. you can't get there until you get those first one or two private lenders. So, yeah. I mean, when, when Damon John was at our event, you know, he said like, you know, we invest in people. Every time we invest in a deal in Shark Tank, we invest in people. That's what our private lenders are doing for us and for our students is they're investing in your deal. The deal's got to make sense. Like, how am I going to make a return? Um, how am I going to make money? And we have all kinds of systems that the four of us have created around raising private money. And we talk about that on another call some other time. But um, 
you've got to have a devastatingly simple offer, a devastatingly powerful and simple offer that people can invest in. We all started, I started, we're going to pay you 12% interest or 15% of our profits, whichever is greater. And nobody ever said, that's a dumb idea. Like nobody ever said like, oh my God, that's so stupid. I would never do that. Nobody ever said that. Um, and so you just have to have that offer to start and just educate people about how they can flip properties in their IRA or educate people about how they can buy their own rental properties or where they source deals. Everybody wants to be in real estate. You just got to be out there as the top of mind reference and teach them how they can do it. And then people are going to say, you know, I don't have the time for this. I think I'll just invest in your deals and I'll, I'll get a taste of how this works investing in your deals. And then they become a private lender. And it's funny, a lot of them never then actively invest. And then they just stay as a private lender forever, which is great for us, right? So, um, so second piece of the conversation, guys, is if I asked all of you, if you look back at your most successful coaching students, uh, what were some of the traits, you know, two, three, five traits of success that your most successful students carry, a recurring theme that you see in your students that make it long term and that do well in this business, what do you think some of those traits are? So Kyle, back to you. What are some traits that you think your most successful people have? You've been coaching uh, with me for over three, four years. You've coached dozens, if not hundreds of our students in a one-on-one -on -one fashion. Um, so you really, and you've done boots on the ground where you actually fly out to their market and work with them for you know 48 to 72 hours. So you have real in-depth knowledge about what they're experiencing, what their fears are, what their successes are, what their business models are. If you take all that combined, what are some of the features and traits that you see in the recurring uh, students that have the most success? Yeah, and, and you mentioned boots on the ground. I'm actually leaving for one this coming, coming Monday. Um, and I'm excited about that one in particular as well too because uh, the student that I have there, for me, the ones who are action takers, I mean, that's going to be first and foremost, the ones that are out making offers. I'm, I'm blown away when we do our phone calls every two weeks and, hey, how many offers you made? Oh, I made one. That's not going to get it done, right? That's not going to get it done. We just talked to one of our students who's in our mastermind, uh, you, you know, who's actually on this call. And, you know, the guy's making 25, 30 offers a week to try to get one accepted. And he understands that. And you ask me, uh, a guy like Joe, and that's why he is successful, because he's constantly making offers, he's constantly taking action, and failure is okay, it's just one step closer for him to getting a yes, you know, he's one step closer to being successful. So again, somebody who's willing to take risks and, and be an action taker is certainly um, one of the key steps for our students. I think just being persistent and consistent is pretty important as well too, um, and that could apply to a wide variety of things, whether it's it's making offers, whether it's your marketing, whether it's how many people you're talking about private money, it's being persistent and consistent with it because you think it's just going to show up any one of those features. They're not just going to show up at, at your, your doorstep, whether it's leads, private money, who knows? You have to be willing to work at it. And like DK says, eventually it does come to you over time, but that's not going to show up the very first time um, as well too. And then um, I think just for me, and I guess that could apply to other students as well as um, Surrounding yourself with successful people as well, too, is so critical, right? I mean, it's so critical. That's why we have our mastermind group. Um, but even your own personal friend group, if you look around with, with who your friends are, I mean, my, most of my friends are business owners, entrepreneurs, you know, people that are, are, have their own freedom, that are obviously financially stable, et cetera. Um, and that's just who I relate to the best. It's not to say that somebody who doesn't make as much money as me is not a friend of mine. It's just that that's who 
I can grow and expand their business. And we're always looking to help each other's business and what can we do. Um, and I think I can apply that to my successful students as well, too, that they I know that they surround themselves with with people that are always trying to improve their business as well as that they can improve other people's business as well. Because that's really what it's about for me. It comes back to it, this being a people business. Um, and, you, you know, it, it's just it's just a trait that I think people often overlook of, of their surrounding, their environment, how, you know, how they view themselves is, is a lot of times how other people view them as well, too. And if people don't have the confidence and are not willing to take the risk, it's this is very difficult to do in this business. So that's, I think, you know, traits that I see in a lot of our students. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good points there, especially like um, I, I think one of the things that's most fun in my life is progress. And progress means that you're learning, right? So learning something new. And so the more seasoned I get in business, the more people we coach, the more money we raise, the bigger our fund gets, the bigger our portfolio gets. I find myself asking more and more and more questions because the people that work with me or for me, they know more about marketing than I do. They know more about the project than I do. They know more about certain parts of the business than I do. So just, I ask a ton of questions, and when I ask questions, I learn. When I learn, I feel like I'm making progress, and that's fun for me, right? And so being around, to your point, Kyle, being around other people who are already successful, getting really good at asking them questions about what they're doing, like how are they surrounding themselves with A players? How did they fund their business? How do they exit their business? Um, how do they make in relationships? Like who are key people that they know that they've met? I just had a conversation literally an hour before we started this, um, I met, uh, I met a mortgage broker. His name is Anthony DeMarco through my niece, Vanessa. I met him about a year ago. I stayed in touch with Anthony because I could just tell that he hustled, right? I could tell he was not, not a guy that's just, you know, making millions of dollars a year, probably making a couple hundred grand, but just hustling, hustling. I started staying in touch with Anthony. Now Anthony left the job as a mortgage broker and works with, for Colliers as a, uh, a commercial broker primarily works in apartments and multifamily. So I talked to him at noon today and we've kept in touch, kept in touch just because he was a fun guy to be around. I was learning things from him and he's hustling his face off. I actually tried to hire him about six months ago. Um, but just today he's like, I've got uh, I've got a 50 unit off market apartment. I've got a 207 unit off market apartment. I've got another 140 unit off market and I've got a 24 unit that he's all bringing to market now and is interested to know if I'm interested in looking at these. And I'm like, of course. So it just because years ago, I could tell he was an A player, and I just wanted to stay in touch with him. And then all of a sudden, now there's this opportunity. I don't know if I'll buy any of those, but I'm certainly going to review them all and make offers on all of them. Um, so opportunity just through your network because you're just staying in touch with fun people, people who are successful. It's, it's, uh, it's really, really fun, the opportunities. Come on. I got an email yesterday from my friend Ryan Moran, who uh, runs capitalism.com, who wants to start a fund with me to invest in e-commerce businesses. And this, the one email I got yesterday is a business that's uh, needing funding. Um, they're a foods business that is, is, is a business that is in Whole Foods that has kind of the eye of Amazon and they're selling things on Amazon, uh, but they need funding and Ryan's talking about you know, like raising money to give that business funding and own equity in that business. Again, just because of a relationship, just somebody fun to network with and stay in touch with through Ryan. So 
really, really fun stuff there. Chris, how about you? What kind of characteristics do you, do you see of our students that are successful? What are they doing that you see consistently from them? I think for me, the biggest, the ones that are the most successful are the ones that follow the, follow a plan. They actually put in the effort into the plan um, because a lot of times with, with some of my students, you know, they, they'll work a nine to five job full time. So what we, what I usually like to do is create some sort of a action plan for them and give them, you know, small tasks each week that they can complete. Um, so, you know, two hours on Monday, maybe they're analyzing deals, scanning the MLS, pulling deals to, to make offers on. But the students that just simply follow the plan and put in effort each and every day, they're the ones that, that I see make it happen, that, that actually get deals. And then being consistent with that plan because you have to, you have to be putting in offers, doing that each and every day, each and every week. The ones that, you know, they'll do it for a month and then maybe a couple months they, they won't do much. Those are the ones that, that don't have the success. So I, I'd say that's, that's the, the biggest thing there for, for yeah. most of mine. I actually have written up on my whiteboard just three words. Think, plan, execute. Yeah. Think, plan, execute. And, and some days I feel like, oh, my God, I've got so much shit going on. You guys all feel the same way, right? I've got so much crap going on. Some of my favorite days are the days where I really don't do anything, that I take all the crap that's in my head and I think, and I, I have a, oh, this red notebook in my bag, and I've got just one, one page of notes for Freeland, one page of notes for Shrek, one page of notes of my personal things I've got to do with my wife and with my kids and my family, and then I've got another page of just personal investments Outside of, outside of free land, rental properties, and apartment building stuff I own on a personal basis. And my, some of my favorite days is just decluttering, right? Just taking everything that's in my mind and getting it all written down. So, and, and think and plan kind of go together because then I feel the freedom to go execute, right? The freedom to not have this clutter and all this crap in my head. And some people are like, just, just execute, 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 execute is great. But oftentimes it creates so much chaos that nothing really ever comes together, right? So it's think, plan, execute. And the fact, you know, all of you guys as coaches and myself, that's what we're helping our students do. Think and plan, think and plan, have that plan so they can just feel free to go execute all the time and feel like they're making progress on, on that plan and where they're going to go. That's what we do as coaches, hold people accountable. Think and plan with them, hold them accountable to the execution. The one thing we can't do is execute for them, right? We can't do the job for you. You have to do the job. That's your job as a business owner. But what we can do as coaches is help you think and plan. That's what that's what we do well. That's what Chris does, Kyle. So DK, how about you? What are some of the recurring themes you see from your most successful folks? So after they take action, it's the discipline. Discipline. Uh, I think uh, Chris and Kyle talked about being consistent. For me, it's 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 to be consistent. You got to have that discipline. Um, don't get these hot and cold streaks. And then to go along with that is to have the A players who will also believe in in that shared vision. 
you know, as a one cohesive unit, you, just like we talk about, you get one bad apple, it's going to ruin everything. So, right. uh, but yeah, for me, it's always been the discipline and the uh, getting the eight players on that particular student's team to make that vision happen. So, yeah. yeah. Um, guys, what do you think some of the reasons why people fail? Opposite reason, like, what are some of the things that you see from people who are like, I'm so excited about real estate. Like we all had that same thing. I'm so excited about real estate. We're all in it. We're all having success. We've got portfolios and rehabs and flips and private money. There's a lot of people that started the business the same time we all did who failed and are out of it and they're back to a regular job and they failed for whatever reason. Um, so DK, how about you? What are some things that you see from students of yours or other investors in your market people that you've come across who fail, what do you think some of the things that they have in common? Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll categorize. Longer list, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the easier ones are the ones who don't take the action, or if they did, they, they, they haven't done the paradigm shift in their head to, to continue the momentum that they need to go on. So it's like the negative fear, you know, like we talk about, we have the good fear that pushes us to elevate us. But once they feel somewhat of a success, they're just I, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I don't know, they, they just start caving in and then they, they get their self-limiting beliefs and really focus on the negative and, and they just believe in that. It's like, okay, I got the private funding, but I, I don't know if this is going to sell. I, or or like, like they'll come up with all types of excuses but they've come this far to work for it, and then all of a sudden they, they, they just collapse. I don't know. I, I have a couple students who, who are like that. I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. We, we just had this momentum for three, four months, and then now, 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 you're, now you're regressing. You know, it's almost kind of like a buyer's remorse type of situation. And so sometimes they can't take themselves out. And, and even though I tell them, hey, look, these are our goals. This is what we're doing. Why, why are you regressing? You know, like they can't separate that. Um, and then another one real quick is, is it comes down to private money again, <laughs> yeah, sure. right? Like, like, like they get one or two successes and then, you know, there's people who are going to lend to them or whatever, but they stop prospecting for private lenders. And I keep on telling them, you got to be like a football coach or be, you're always evaluating talent, whether it's contractors, I get tons of referrals. Hey, you need another painter. I mean, yeah, I got like three or four painters, but guess what? I'm still evaluating them, and so I have my own little list. Okay, you know, a scale of one to five. Okay, five being the best. Yeah, yeah, this is a number five. If there's an opportunity in the future, all right, I'll, I'll, I have them. So, um, so yeah, it's just it, there's so many reasons, but I'll just leave that as my top two that I see. So. Yeah, Kyle, how about you? Things, reasons why you see some you used to coach hundreds of people. What do you think? Some of the recurring themes are why people just don't make it. Um, unrealistic expectations of this business. I think a lot of times they, you know, a lot of people are coming back from whether we do an event or a show and they, and they see, you know, one of us on stage or one of our other success, successful students on stage. And they think that um, we were somehow given everything that, that, that we have at this point in time and, and the, the deal flow and the private money and the, you know, it's, it's that easy. So they think, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. I'm going to make, you know, $2 million this year. Okay. I never want to tell you that you can't make $2 million this year, but what's your plan to do that? I don't, I mean, I, I'm going to buy a couple houses. 
Well, you know, that's not how it works. You know, I mean, if you're okay, you're going to buy a couple houses. And that's what I think we do as coaches is we break those goals down for you and we reverse engineer that for you. But some people's expectations of the amount of hard work that this is going to take. And I think DK was you who said it that, or Chris, like the first two years will not be easy. The first three, whatever it may be, you know, in 2010, it still wasn't easy for me. And I had been in the business for three years. It's still not easy. And I'm 10 years later into this business. If anything, it's almost harder now because I'm doing such bigger things and managing a lot more money and, and expectations and, um, so you have to be willing to work hard. This is not a get rich scheme by any means. Uh, and I think the ones that we see, the ones that fail are the ones that come out of the gate the best, but then it's like, I want to do, this is a lot of work. You know, this is a lot of work and they're just not willing to do the work and then they ultimately fail. So, yeah. The other thing I've seen from some of, some of the students and some other people is, um, it's lack of cash flow, right? So, Rehab, focus on buying, fixing, selling, buying, fixing, selling. Well, if you buy, fix, and sell, and you structure private money the way we teach it, where you get all the funding up front for the principal, the purchase, the rehab, your soft costs, your holding costs, and you pay your private lender at the end all the interest that they're owed, and when the property sells, then your business doesn't have a lot of cash flow requirements because all the interest is deferred to the end. I've seen several people say, like, well, I want to buy the next deal and the next. I don't have a true private lender, so I'm going to go to an institutional private lender, like a lending home or even a free land or, you know, uh, uh, you know some of the, the different hard money lenders and private money lenders out there. And oh, and I, I got to buy these other properties because there's a big profit at the end. It's great. But all of a sudden, they've got six new loans, six new mortgages, no cash flow. Well, that can hurt. That, that can that can that can hurt quick. Yeah. So it's all about cash flow, right? So I love to buy properties, rehab them, and sell them on rent to own. I love to buy properties, rehab them, and keep them as rentals. Of course, we buy, rehab, and sell all the time. Um, but the ones that are successful are the ones that understand you gotta have consistent cash flow. Whether you're filling in the gaps with wholesale profits, filling in the gaps with some rehab profits, like Chris Cedar's doing, you know. Uh, popping out some big rehabs with your rental properties, but you know, cash flow is king, man. You can get through a lot of problems. You can, if, and also having private money, DK, like you said, like if you get in a bind and deals over budget, it's over schedule, but you've got more private money that you can bring in, or you've got cash flow that you can bring in, it solves a lot of problems, buys you time to work out a, a bad deal or work out a deal that's going sideways. So um, that's a big one, man, is, is maybe growing too fast, doing too many rehabs. Uh, too quickly and, and having too many cash flow obligations per month and not having the cash flow to cover the nut. Um, I see that from some students that get a little bit too optimistic too fast and they don't have the financing structured the right way to allow them to grow in, in that capacity. Uh, Chris, how about you? What are some recurring things you see from, from some folks that, that don't make it, that, you know, that, uh, that want to make it but get soured, negative on the business? What, what do they do wrong? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I've seen from quite a few people is their mindset. A lot of people they either believe the media, they believe um, realtors or whoever that are telling them, "Hey, there's you can't buy houses that cheap. There's no deals in this market." So they really start to get this mindset that they there there aren't any deals. So then that leads to them not putting in the effort. Where, you know, I've found and I, I see 
the successful students in super competitive markets, they're finding deals because they're making more, more offers than anyone else. And the, there will be a student in that same market that's failing because he's got the mindset and he just can't get himself to actually go out and put in offers, get out there and hustle. So I'd say their, their mindset, they have the scarcity mindset where there is just not enough where if we can, I always try to, or if I can get them to start believing that deals are infinite, they're, they're out there, no matter what the market's doing, there's always going to be distressed property. There's always going to be somebody that needs to sell. Um, so yeah, that, that is the big, biggest thing, getting them to believe that the deals are out there, believe that there's private money out there. Because if they don't believe that, they're not going to put in any effort whatsoever. They're just going to sit on their couch and, and complain. Yeah, absolutely. I was at, I was actually speaking at an event yesterday. Tim Bratz is a friend of ours and a big apartment investor speaking at his event, um, downtown Cleveland. And Tim made a great analogy. So I wanted to share it with you guys. You know, he talked, was talking about wealth and you know, it, he was talking about apartment building. So if I have an apartment building and I have, it's worth $5 million dollars. <clears throat> there is no wealth is not something that if you have wealth, I can't have wealth. If somebody else has income or deal flow or private lenders, it's not taking anything away from what I'm doing. Right. And so he talked about, Hey, I have this apartment building. Somebody else, some guy next to me raises up, buys a piece of dirt, builds an apartment building and his apartment building is worth five or $10 million. He just made five or $10 million worth of wealth, of real equity. And if he has a loan, maybe he made two or $3 million worth of wealth and he leveraged it with bank financing. But him building that apartment building didn't take wealth away from me, even though I own the building next door, right? So wealth, deal flow, private money, deals, it's infinite, it's infinite. There's enough for everybody where if Chris has success, He's not taking away success from other investors in Billings. Kyle has success. not taking away from other investors in Chicago or DK in Orlando or me in Cleveland. We're not taking away from other people as we build our businesses. We have an abundance mentality. There's so much going on in the world today that everybody can be wealthy. And it's the people that have that mindset that are. The people that think that it's so competitive, I can't have mine and you have yours too. Well, then they never get theirs. They never have their own deals. They never have their own money. They never have their own success. And that's simply their own lack of faith and confidence in themselves. And again, that's where coaching comes in. That's where experience comes in. That's where mentorship comes in to help them get beyond that. I mean, we all have fears. All four of us right now have fears. It's probably a deal that we're all freaking out about right now that we have in our pipeline something that we have a fear about, whether it's an employee, whether it's a private lender, whether it's a deal we have, whether it's DK's apartment, Kyle's assisted living, my fun, Chris's golf game, whatever it is, we've all got a fear, right? Something that's going on that never goes away. And so to be a successful entrepreneur, it's about understanding that there's always going to be fear. And, and you know, I bring this up at our live events. Easy e the great rap artist, said it's about having that fear push you from behind instead of standing in front of you. And I think that's what we wake up and we get busy is the fear pushes us 
to make sure that we're taking action and getting to the next level. So, well, guys, listen, we got to wrap up. This is a really fun, um, this is a really fun discussion, man. I appreciate you guys jumping on. Any kind of final uh, parting shots, words of advice, and uh, I guess DK or uh, um, Kyle, I'll start with you. And also, Kyle, if you want to throw out for the people who will uh, hear this, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube video, and our membership site, um, you want to throw out your contact information, your website. If people want to network with you in the Chicago area, become a private lender to you or bring you deal flow or wholesale you a deal, uh, what are your just kind of final parting shots um, and your contact information? Yeah, just just go out there and do it. Just just take action. Don't don't be a sideline player. You can't be in the game if you're on the sideline. And I know it's it's trite and, and we say it all the time, but it's 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 so it just it's it's completely appropriate. You, you, you have to take action. You have to be willing to take risks. You have to be willing to fail. We've all failed countless, countless, countless times. You know, I mean, we, we just have. And, and if you're not willing to do that um, and you're content with working your nine to five gig or whatever it may be, and you're, you know, content at, at somebody else determining your salary, which is what ultimately that is. If you work a nine to five gig, somebody else is, is determining how much money you can ultimately make then that's fine. But for those that want to be entrepreneurs and, and create their own freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, which, which for us four, that's really what it's all about. You know, it's about the freedom that we can spend with our kids and, and golf and whatever, whatever it is, whatever you want to do and wherever you want to do it. Um, that's, that's what it's ultimately about for me. So, uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, email, maybe it's the best. You can email me, um, at, at, at K Garifo. So K G A R I F O at shreknow.com, S-R-E-C-N-O-W.com. Fantastic. Chris, how about you? Any final, final parting shots or, or uh, if, you know, if somebody hears this and they're in the Billings market and they want to reach out to you and do a deal, JV, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the my final thought would be just like, like Kyle said, just get out there and, and make it happen. Educate yourself. Read listen to these podcasts, get into some coaching, and then formulate a plan. Work backwards from, okay, I want to make 250000 How many deals is that going to take me? How many offers am I going to have to make? How, how much direct mail am I going to have to send? How much private money am I going to have to um, raise? So factor it in that. Create yourself an action plan and follow it and put in more effort than you think it's going to take also. Um, that that's going to be be keys, getting out there, especially the first couple of years, and just hustling your your butt off, working harder than everyone else. Um, that's going to be the biggest. And if you want to get into contact with me, just search me on Facebook or or Google, and and you can find me. Shoot me a message there. That'd probably be the the easiest way. Fantastic, DK. How about yourself? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Pri private money, get your list of 100, finish your PowerPoint presentations, and get your damn elevator pitch under wraps. Right. Okay? Those three things. You do those three things, and then on top of that, you know, set your appointments for your potential private lenders. That's that's going to make your freedom happen. It's it, Everything will just follow through if you can just do that. Um, and then uh, – yeah, my email, D as in David, K-I-M as in Mary, at Shrek, S-R-E-C, now, N-O-W dot com. Fantastic, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Josh.
You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of, apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com.